Hello, hello, and welcome to this episode of Saddest Night Out. My name is Roy, and I'm the host of this soon-to-be daily podcast once again. This episode is a bit of a long one because there are some very in-depth conversations had about sensitive subjects, and the length of these conversations is definitely necessary for the territory that we go into. So I will just briefly set the scene, and then I'll let each person I talk to sort of explain each scenario more in depth themselves. This was recorded on the 27th, Sunday the 27th of May. I went to a Black Malt Bottle Share Club event. This event was hosted by Alex, who is someone I met at a previous episode when I went to see Corinthians at the Victoria in Dalston. I spoke to her about the music we saw, and she mentioned this other pursuit of hers, which caught my interest. I'd been meaning to check it out for a while, so I finally got the chance to. The basic premise of the event was to try different types of black malt beers. Now, I'm not much of a drinker in the first place, let alone beers, so I was very much out of my wheelhouse entirely. But I came because I was keen to learn and find out what it was about. I arrived at the venue, popped upstairs to see Alex, and she encouraged to get a bottle of beer, and then the first step of the event, so to speak, is to try out the beer you get and to try other people's beers, talk about the different ones, meet other people, etc., let the conversation flow. So I went downstairs and spoke to Mike, who I believe was the duty manager of the venue. He helped me to pick out a beer. So that's the first conversation you'll hear. Then the focus of this particular event was intersectionality. So Alex had six speakers, or seven speakers really, talk about their history with the beer industry, their history in general, with regards to their intersectionality and their background, whether that be their gender, their sexuality, their race. And there were some very sensitive conversations had, but it was a warm atmosphere, a very receptive crowd, very engaging speakers, and I was very happy to be part of it. So the next conversation I have is with Alex, and they were one of the people who spoke at this event. And that's the longest conversation on this episode, but I'm sure once you listen to it, you'll understand why. And I hope you learn as much from it as I did. Then after speaking to Alex, I speak to the other Alex, the Alex who was running the event in the first place. She couldn't quite leave the vicinity of the event because she was running it. So if anything happened, it was wise for her to be nearby. So apologies, the background noise is a little bit loud, but I think you can still discern what we are saying if you just squint your ears a little bit. So Alex very much laid out the framework of what the event is about and who spoke at this event. So, first you'll hear me speak to Mike, the person who's running the venue. Then you'll hear me speak to Alex, one of the speakers at this event. Then you'll hear me speak to Alex, who was running, who hosts the event in the first place. And then I think I'll just play some music at the end, so this will be the last you'll hear from me. Thank you for listening. You can find me on social media at Saddest Nights Out, all one word. Thank you very, very much to everyone that I spoke to for this episode. Thank you to Alex for hosting the event. Thank you to all of the speakers at the event. And I do hope I can manage to go to another one, maybe make a regular appearance and continue to talk to more people at these events. I think these conversations are very important. And you'll hear why I think that during the course of this episode. Thank you for your time, and I will see you again soon. Take care. It's a glorious Sunday afternoon, and I am at the bottle shop in Bermondsey with the general manager of the place. Yeah. What's your name, sir? Mike. How long have you? How long has this place existed? This place has been here for four years. 
Um, it started as um, a small bottle shop in Canterbury in the Good Shed, and there's now three sites. This is the largest. Um, to this, the yeah, the main site for the bottle shop. Right. So this is headquarters. So sort of. We're um, a distribution company and importer of beers, and this is the biggest site to showcase those beers. So we're a wholesaler predominantly. These retail sites are yeah, just to show people um, what products are bringing into the country. So is it primarily people who are working at pubs and bars that will come here? Um, no, actually, it's a, it's a good mix of uh, people in the industry and beer lovers. So we've got 600 plus product lines. It's very niche, very specialist. Um, yeah, it's a very specialist beer shop. Yeah, like, caters to all tastes. And all it the, kind of. Uh, arrest the eye when you walk in and see just how many bottles are on display. It can be intimidating, but it's a, yeah, it's just a, a case of narrowing it down, asking questions, yeah. tell me what you like, and then I'll be able to... That's exactly what I did, because I don't normally drink beer, but I told you that I have a bit of a sweet tooth. Uh-huh. So you've arrived at this particular beer. What is its name? How did you come to pick it? So this, its name is uh, it's Noah by um, a Swedish brewery called Omnipolo, um, who specialise in adjunct-heavy dessert-style beers. So sweet tooth. This is a Noah. Noah is a pecan mud cake imperial stout. So it doesn't have any nuts in it, but it's got big nutty aromas, lots of sweetness. Um, it tastes like a cake. It's, that's literally, it's liquid cake. Liquid cake. It's liquid cake. Gotta try some of that. Uh, yeah. No, I'm going for it. It definitely smells like cake. You are not yeah. wrong. Thanks. It looks like what I'd imagine liquid cake would look like as well. It's got a huge body, um, very, very viscous. God, yeah, it feels like dessert. It, Man. It's literally the dessert right. beer. Wow. Like almost chocolatey, but not quite. Yeah. Yeah, cake very much hits the nail on the head. Cakey. One satisfied customer. Thank you very much for your You're time, absolutely Mike. Absolutely welcome. I'll catch you later. You too. Cheers, Michael. Do you have a clean palette? Okay, I'm just outside the bottle shop. Great story, man. Yeah. All the best way you managed. Do you want to go to video? I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> always See awesome, you. Always awesome. Thank you. As you just heard, I'm with one of the stars of tonight's <laughs> event. So. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name is Alex. I'm a non-binary person who works in beer. And I've also been in bands. It's the three Bs. Yep. <laughs> so, we'll start with bands. Yeah. So, how old were you when you got into your first band? I mean, I started playing when I was 17, but then I started getting into bands about a year after that. And I was in a... I was in a, like a... relatively trashy pop-punk band at the time. And it was... Um, Weren't we all? <laughs> Weren't we all? It was, uh, it was good fun. Um, it, we started getting somewhere. We'd done a lot of gigs. Uh, we'd started supporting some bigger acts. But uh, it was getting to the point, I, when I was older than all the people in the band, we've been doing it for two years or so, but the others, they were still in sick form when we started the band. So they were, they were you know, they had places to be. Mm. The drummer, he was, he was planning on joining the army. And the vocalist he moved to London I mean we were in a village 60 miles away from London at the time bit so, inconvenient little inconvenient <laughs> and uh, the, the the guitarist yeah, he, he just didn't want to do it anymore so uh, I tried desperately to hold on to the band mm-hmm. at one point being the only member oh. <laughs> trying to build the whole band up eventually gave up on it and joined 
a band with most of the same members <laughs> writing completely different stuff and then I left halfway through the album recording uh, well EP recording but yeah what instrument did you play? I play bass so how much time passed between you being the only member of the first band and then you joining like, the band 2.0? Uh, about, about three months uh, it didn't not really a lot happened um, but the then, flame was still alive yeah, in your heart yeah it was still fun it was very different music, which, uh, which kind of led me into writing a bit more experimentally, which is pretty great. And then, as my time with that band was ending, I'd started a band with my partner, El, who I was talking with tonight. I uh, just gestured, but they're not there. So. <laughs> and you can't see this. This is a podcast. <laughs> so there's that. Um, that was a band that was initially titled Rabbit Foot, which is a terrible name. Um, Lucky Charm, I like it Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, I make music as loads of Japanese bands So my measure of good and bad names can't yeah. be trusted But I think it was a good name Yeah, and then we uh, changed it after, uh, it was funny enough Another another band for people who are students <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, we we had our first gig as Rabbit Foot It was also our last gig as Rabbit Foot Before we... Um, well, before the guitarist at the time, the lead guitarist, uh, left the band. And then we went, cool, we can actually name the band what we want to. And uh, so, and thus, thus, Old Logic was born, which is uh, a name that I actually quite liked a lot. Is there a history anything behind it? Or just you just... Uh, kind of like plucked that. it out of thin air, which is kind of cool, but I feel like that's how band names should... Yeah, definitely. ...come about. They shouldn't just be contrived. Like, I've got some other art, this art stuff, uh, like the, the projection that was on today, that's something I did in animation... Oh, uh, that's under the Milk Ape, which is a, another questionably <laughs> questionably chosen name, but neither here nor there. But then we did that band for about four years. Uh, that finished when well, the members they uh, you know were moving to different counties. Are you uh, noticing a theme? A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we just couldn't keep it up physically because we just well you know one of us is in Brighton. Two of us were in Canterbury, one of us was in London. Like just a rehearsal, never mind a show. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing. Then we then we kinda of started doing more gigs. We got another guitarist who was a little bit more willing to you know, to not be as regular. And then um, and then well, he moved back to Bexhill. Uh, uh. <laughs> and then I moved to London. So okay. the band really didn't uh, it kind of dissolved unofficially. Officially unofficially. Yeah. And so is it like on Extended hiatus, or something it's, like that. It's never coming. Back. <laughs> uh, it's never coming back. We just never told anyone. <laughs> Defeated so by logistics. If there are any actually old, any old Logic fans listening to this, sorry about that. Uh, I hate to break it to you, but <laughs> after it, you may have been surprised, you may be surprised after the two years of radio silence or whatever uh, that we're not actually doing anything anymore. Well, we're here together. Uh, I guess I mean primarily, but partly because of beer. Yeah. So when did beer become a focus in your life? Beer came up, became a part of my life actually through my dad. My dad started his journey through beer, well, his second journey through beer, as someone who had to homebrew because, you know, uh, he, it was, you know, the economy was like, uh, fucking yeah. double dip economy, double dip economy, double, double dip recession, I have had some to drink. We, we all have, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, double dip recession, got made redundant. You know, our family were in a bit of a, a bit of a spot, so we thought, well, my dad thought, probably shouldn't go out and buy beer. So we thought, you know what, I'm going to make beer. And so he set about making beer in his shed. And he did this for a few years, 
and I started really enjoying it. And then him, he, he started an events catering company that brewed its own beer with one of his longtime friends. And it was through that that I actually started enjoying beer and I started having more and more. And then he introduced me to a company called The Bottle Shop, funnily enough. What would you uh, know? What would you know? Where we are yeah. tonight? Uh, this was at the original branch in Canterbury. So I was still living in Canterbury at the time. This is while all of this was happening. And uh, I, at the time, was working in a bargain shop, mm-hmm. which will remain unnamed. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, not, not doing too well. In fact, I was with Elle, and Elle was working two shifts a week as a waitress and earning more money than me. Yeah, you, you so weren't doing too well, right? wasn't doing too well. So I started being cover staff at this place, and that evolved into being part-time staff and full-time staff. Within a year, I'd become the assistant manager. Right. Some progress. Yeah. Some progress, indeed. And uh, then I kind of fell more in love with beer. And I kind of realized I wanted to make this my career. As I suggested to uh, one of the speakers earlier, Kabir. I like it a lot. I like beer it a lot. career is now a Kabir. Kabir. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask? Because I am not much of a drinker in general. Mm. My, as far as my history with alcohol goes, you're a teenager and you know it means a good night out. So you first get your sneaky sip. And I remember vividly being like, oh God, what is this? Why do people drink this for fun? But somewhere along the way, most of my friends seem to evolve towards, oh no, I really like this. Oh yeah, it's going to be a good taste. And I never did. So I just went, oh, just kind of nod along. Like, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, I really like this. Oh, it's great. Yeah. But I'm not I, having a horrible time at all. <laughs> yeah, hide the face, hide the face, keep smiling. But even now, I mean... And I feel a bit safer saying this outside rather than amongst <laughs> everyone. But like, if I have lager, I'll put lime in it. If I have, if I have cider, I'll put blackcurrant. I have a really sweet tooth. And just the taste of alcohol in general seems to negate that, at least as far as I'm concerned. But with this, as one of the other speakers mentioned, it's not... It's another language around alcohol that I'm not familiar with, where it's not about the end goal is to get completely trashed or something like that. It's just yeah. to appreciate the taste of it as well. Yeah. So when did you go from... Or did you have a similar path? Or have you just always appreciated the taste? I, uh, my path of alcohol was pretty much the same as every other, you know, British teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Started off... High-monored tradition, yeah. Oh, yes, high-monored. Uh, you know, cider in the park of your friends, vodka and coke in the forest of your friends, yeah. and then uh, desperately trying to sober up before you went home to your parents. <laughs> Always a park. I don't know why, but yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Can't be the can't be in the house, can it? We'd unless all go got, to unless you've got a friend of cool parents. Of yeah. course. We'd all tell each other's parents we're going to each other's places yeah. for a sleepover. I remember like the first time I got there, but my first time ever. And then like half of my school year was there. I'm like, wait, what? What, what is this? Everyone's doing this? Yeah. It's okay, uh, so. I so I I did that for years and years, but it wasn't until I started working with beer and I was having different beer every every single day different like countless okay. and uh, it wasn't for getting drunk I was just trying things and I wanted to learn I wanted to learn how to taste things and I think that's a real part of it is that desire to learn but there are some palates that just don't change and some things that just don't change like I still don't like be- most Belgian beers apart from Lambics I love a Lambic I don't like a lot of I don't like a lot of Abbey Ales I don't like the Triples I think it's the East I think it's the East but I've, I've been trying these for like five years now <laughs> well nearly whatever time is an illusion um, and it's there are some things I just think I'm never going to like and I think that extends to people 
like yourself you just don't really like the taste of beer don't you know if you don't like it don't force yourself yeah I guess I yeah. I have I'm on the water now because I just just noticed how high the percentage is in some of these beers and there's me kind of like whoop, 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 oh yeah so I'm like mm, maybe 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 dine it down just, just a touch if I don't want to spend the night here yeah so the other theme for tonight's gathering was intersectionality yeah now you introduce yourself as non-binary yes and that was very much the theme of your conversation I can I, is that a sensitive subject for you to bring up? Uh, it's not sensitive. It's just expect to hear me kind of ramble in a slightly non-directional way. Because it's, uh, it's, I haven't been out as non-binary for very long at all. Like, within the last six months. So for me, it's, uh, it's fresh, but it doesn't, it's not necessarily emotional. I'm, it's, words are hard. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I find it just a slight sidestep. I'm not familiar with the world of this world of alcohol at all. Mm. So all the stuff I'm tasting, I'm like, that tastes a bit chocolatey, mm. less chocolatey. That's kind of as far as my language goes. Whereas everyone else here has a much richer uh, yes, vocabulary. Yes, it smells, smells like that that rum raisin ice cream I had in the year of 2012. Precisely, and I'm like, mm, mm, yeah. back to the nodding of yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I agree. Taste chocolate. Took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so since you are, since it's very recently. Yeah. you've come out as non-binary is it a similar situation for you where the vocabulary and how to explain it specifically isn't there it's I mean it's not something that's actively taught by other people it's something you have no. to you have to seek you have to seek it out and learn and teach yourself but then to an extent it's I find that if you're like if you yourself are non-binary or just in any of the any of this large yeah fairly queer umbrella we are all in uh, well to an extent yeah it's uh, it's kind of up to us to teach as well because who better to teach than the people who are actually in it true well you are you're learning you're teaching and learning yeah. at the same time and I'll never stop nor should we so was there a moment that led to you announcing yeah well I kind of realised for the longest time that, like, I didn't really identify as male. I didn't, I didn't, I definitely didn't identify as female, but, but neither felt right and neither really felt inherently wrong. And I think therein kind of lies the issue, because you can't, when neither of them feel like they actually are making any connection with you it's hard to realise who let alone what you are and that's not something that you can kind of easily figure out and it wasn't until I stopped thinking about it that I found it so much easier to think about uh, if that yeah. makes any sense it does I was there a period of time between you realising neither gender roles felt right to you and then you finding what does feel right to you I mean I would say we as a people are ever evolving True. and the spectrum is so large and I, I always consider myself on a journey of discovery and I don't know I don't know if my journey's ended I don't think it has I don't know if it will the only real way to figure that out is just keep doing it and yeah. uh, maybe I'll find out but non-binary seems to be the one that doesn't feel jagged if 
that makes any sense. It does. And I can imagine, especially since you've recently self-identified this way, talking about it in general yeah. is new to you. It talking is. about it in public... It's very new. Very much. I still though. closet myself in my professional life. Pretty largely. Like, I mean, with... I just... With regular, like if it's just you know to a customer, you know, oh sure, I present fairly masculine, so I must be a guy. But it's easier for me not to have to correct every single customer, yeah. and easier for me to not have to explain to every colleague how I like to be referred to. It's just easier, and it's just about the path of less uh, least resistance. Yeah, it just. Uh, but yeah, it does. It does feel like it does often feel like you're living a bit of a lie. So on the flip side, where what what element in your daily life lets you feel your truest self? Ah, uh, and this is going to be cheesy as fuck. Bring on the cheese. We love some cheese. It's that moment where I because I've only recently moved in with my fiance as well. And it's that moment where I wake up in the morning and I. It doesn't matter who I am what I am, what I'm going to do that day, what I did the night before, what I did the week before, what I did the year before, what I've done leading up to that moment. All that matters is that I'm there in bed with my partner and it's only love. And that is the only moment where I can feel my truest. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you very much for your time, Alex. No problem. Enjoy the rest of your beers you taste. I will. I look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, for sure. Yes, in fact, I've been saying, like, it started out as my music, then it became other people's music and what they, and other people in the music community. Now it's anything goes. But especially after tonight, there are certain, there's something I, I'd hinted on, but tonight it really fortified it for me. There's so many voices, so many stories out there to be told. Any opportunity you have to help to share some that might go overlooked is a blessing. Because as I was saying to Alex earlier, it often falls on the most vulnerable to make that first step towards turning the conversation from something that's niche and to the side and try to be ignored to something that's more to us redefining what normal is. Such that, in, is it fair to say the basis of it starts with being a black woman in the alcohol industry and recognizing you're an outlier in that respect? The basis of the, the, the bottle share club is uh, to celebrate dark beer. That's literally the be all and end all of it. Um, I want to introduce dark beer to people that would never even consider having a dark beer on tap. Um, what do you mean when you say dark beer? So, uh, beer that's made predominantly with malts, um, and malt adds colour and a certain type of flavour, so coffee, chocolate, caramel, biscuits, sort of flavours to beer. Um, so you start with a base beer, you add um, roast, different uh, gradients of roasted malt to the beer, and uh, yeah, it just adds a lot of, it just adds something different, it just adds something different to your typical lagers and parallels and IPAs. So when did you develop a, ta- a particular taste for that type of beer, and then what made you want to share it with others? I think it's when I started um, my work at Brewdog, which is a predominant, uh, a very prolific uh, Scottish brewery, and um, 
they showed they trained me up they trained me up in the world of beer I had knew not I knew absolutely nothing about beer but uh, they gave me this dark beer that they had in their core range called Coco Psycho and I was like okay the name is quite yeah alright whatever I'll try this I'm open to anything I've got massive open mind to any type of food or drink and I was interested in alcohol before but when they opened this bottle of Coco Psycho and I tried it and it tasted exactly like cacao the natural cacao that you get and I was vegan at the time so I was like right anything cacao I'm there um, but yeah I just thought wow this is this has opened me up to so many things now and if beer can taste like this then it's not beer really is it it's kind of like something, something different it's yeah. something different so it started me on the journey so when did that journey become Black Malt Bottle Share Club okay the, we have to fast forward quite a few years here so it literally started four months ago four or five months ago this is now my fourth event um, and it started of an idea um, it started it formulated from a, a very um, I would say nuclear like it's from the nuclei of beer in general so the beer culture in general I, I really found that there was nothing that I could go to in terms of festival beer festivals or beer events that really kind of um, included people that looked like myself so I said well why not look look I'll just start my own fucking thing sorry for swearing but um, we're, I'll just, we're explicit on all episodes you can swear all you want don't I'll, worry. I'll just start my own thing see how it goes and then that'll be that the first, was the first one here as well at Bottleship? Yes, it was. Are, yeah. they, are they all here? Um, they have been. So the last four, well, the last three up until now have been at, at the Bottle Shop. But I do plan to expand to different venues. And that was the original idea that I wanted to do with a different venue at every one, for everyone. So how did you go about accumulating the audience for these? Are these people that you've encountered throughout your career in alcohol? And some of them, yes. Um, um, and the ones that I have encountered through alcohol and through my career in beer have generally been quite homogenous, quite um, stand, sort of standard beer drinkers that you would expect to be drinking beer. Um, but then through the niches and the niches and the niches, I, people have come to me, actually, and it's been really surprising and, and quite joyous, in fact, to, to reach out to people that, that actually share my skin colour and share melanin with me and um, are kind of willing to be open to the fact, to, willing to be open to trying beer yeah. in general. And so you love dark beer. It's not something that's very well known, so you want to share that love with others. And then you being a person who's not typically seen in this scene, other people who aren't so typically seen in this scene start to gravitate towards these events. One of the main themes of this event is intersectionality. Was that always at the forefront of these events? Um, it wasn't, um, but I think with every passing event I want to have something different and I want to appeal to uh, somebody different I, all the time I'm kind of developing, developing, developing ideas um, and this particular one was quite close to my heart because it was intersectional um, 
and I really wanted this one to go well in particular but every every event will be different you know next month we're at Brick Brewery in Peckham we're just going to have a standard meet the brewer event you know which happens quite a lot in the beer industry um, so you know from month to month it will vary but at the core heart of it it is about intersectionality it is about diversity but it's also about dark beer do you know what I mean so yeah, yeah. I mean I the only beer I've really had today is the one that tastes like chocolate cake, yes. which really blew my like from the smell alone. I was like, "This isn't beer. What? What is this? Where am I? What's happening here?" Can you tell us who you had speaking today? I can. We had six beautiful speakers. Um, sorry, I'm really blown away that you tried that chocolate cake stout because it doesn't taste like beer or what people think really of as beer. You know. Um, anyway, but the speakers that we had tonight, we had um, Koa. Um, I don't actually know Koa, but I messaged her on Facebook. I saw some of her music online, and I really wanted someone who was very soulful, very melodic, um, very mellow to start the evening off. And I think she was the perfect person to do that. I agree. Um, yeah. Um, thank you. And um, next we had... Um, who else do we have next? <laughs> yeah, we My memories are fixed. We've had a bit to we all had a bit to drink as well. Okay, we can do this. I'm working backwards. We have Alex and Ellie, we have Audrey, we have Ash. Irish lady. Ah yes, so Ellie, um, Ellie Walsh, I've known her for quite some time, She's she works in the beer industry as well. Um, when you work in the beer industry you get to know people quite intimately. So um, yeah, I know Ellie from past sort of uh, um, interactions um, and she's um, a bisexual uh, person who, sorry, person who identifies as bisexual predominantly and uh, she's studying for her certified Cicerone, which is a beer exam. So it's kind of like a wine sommelier, but for beer. Um, and she's just been a really good friend to me, really. You know, she's, she's outspoken, and I love that about her. And I think we need more people like her in the industry. Um, next was uh, some colleagues of mine, and also very personal friends of mine, uh, L and Alex, and they identify as non-binary. Uh, a non-binary couple who are due to get married soon, uh, and they just spoke about their experiences in the beer world and how they met. Uh, and next we had Ash. No, Audrey. Audrey. Uh, yes. So next we had Audrey, who is probably one of my closest friends. Uh, I met her when I was working at uh, the Rake in London Bridge. Uh, which is a craft beer place as well and I was like You're, you have melanin in your skin and she was like you have melanin in your skin let's be friends <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she came to speak very very uh, candidly and in very in depth about uh, her experiences in beer and why she loves beer in general and I found it so insightful very very deep very rich language that she was using so I'm very happy that she was uh, she was able to, to speak in that way she's not a, she's not a speaker you know, she's not an orator so that was wonderful to hear her do that uh, next next ah oh sorry well next was Sharice <laughs> um, well I think she was before Audrey but 
No, I think she was an hospital ward, actually. But um, Charisse is someone I met recently through the Catford, uh, from, for, sorry, from Lewisham Council, uh, based in Catford. So I've had a few meetings with Catford Council, of Lewisham Council, and um, they've been working with young people in the area. And Charisse has lived in Catford for like 15 years. So I met her in a, uh, through someone from the council and I just come, completely fell in love with her. Um, she's a writer, she's an advocate for um, diversity within the, her community and she read something that was so profound that I cried when I first read it um, about the power of language and her, her language of Shona, um, which is native, I can't remember where she said it was Zimbabwe. From. Native to Zimbabwe, of course. Um, yeah, she just shared a story with us, an article that she wrote. And then lastly, we had Ash. Yes, lastly, Ash, who gave a very, very heartfelt poem um, about their experiences. Uh, Ash identifies as a non-binary artist and writer and poet. And um, they shared a, um, some of their work, actually, was displayed here uh, in real life, in real time. And uh, they had a very, very strong emotional poem to portray tonight and to speak about tonight. And I was just absolutely blown away by them. Absolutely blown away. Right. And I just want to say, I mean, I really didn't know what to expect from this event. But I'm very glad I came. You've done a fantastic job of bringing these people together. I am very, very grateful to have been invited. Where can you... Let's hug it up. Let's hug it up on the mic. Thank you so much. So where can people find out more about your events when they're happening next so I can start trying to bring some people along with me and making this circle bigger and bigger? Ah! Oh, my God! <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm more prolific. I'm 30 years old, so I'm trying to get to grips with social media here. I mean, I'm of the last generation to be without social media, so I'm kind of really grateful for that. But also I have to make a, a name for myself here. But... Um, yeah, so Instagram is my devil of choice, um, my social media platform of choice. Uh, so everything that I do is through Instagram first. I'm also on Twitter. So in, my Instagram handle is at black underscore malt. And my Twitter handle is at wehavealex. So find out all the information you need to know there. We have a mailing list and um, we're going to be at Catford Beer Festival on the 8th to the 10th of June as well. Thank you again for all of this. You're welcome. Go back to enjoying your evening. I'll catch you again. Thank you. Thank you.